0: at the time. And he prayed that same prayer with Hector. But he didn't get a copy. So he stopped the Gideons and asked them for a copy of God's Word. Pretty neat. Two salvations for a handshake. But you can become a Gideon and help place God's Word around the world. doesn't take a whole lot of time. 20 minutes a day, 15 minutes a weekend, and you can spread God's Word. The last way that we, we use to win others to the lost through the memorial Bible plan, and we've just gotten new cards, and you've got a rack out front by the door. These are the new ones, and these are the old ones. There's just kind of white and gold. But my wife and I like this because it's a good way of, of sending cards out to people, and I think it's a fulfillment of a Hebrews 11.4. Um, says, God testifying by, by His gifts that He being dead, it still speaketh. So if you give a, a Bible in an honor or a memory of someone that's, that's lost, that gift st- kill, still keeps on giving but we like to use it as birthday cards. And you'd be amazed at the reaction that you get from people that don't even know the Lord when you send them a card that you've donated a Bible in honor of something, a birthday, a graduation, or whatever. And, it, and when you send these cards in, you, you know, they, they get the envelopes or, or something like that. Now I think they're more blue. But I got this envelope because I was a treasurer a couple years ago, and I had the privilege of having a post office key. So well, we got this card. When you open it up inside, it, it tells us one to send it, you know, if we need to send a card or whatever. But but this one, I want to donate five memorial or recognition Bibles in honor of Tommy Bowles. Now, how many know who Tommy Bowles is? He's a county commissioner, and he's in the Gideons, and he's a character. This is from the class of 1950 Mount Ola High School. So I said, Tommy, look, and I went to his church to speak that day. And I was trying to embarrass him. I said, we got five Bibles in honor of Tommy Bowles. Well, after the service... He comes up, he tells me, he says, Joe, you won't believe what those are for. I said, what? I thought just because you're a good guy or a good county commissioner or whatever. He says, I did an Elvis impersonation for their class reunion, and they wanted to pay me, so I told them to give, me, give you know, Bibles in honor to Gideon. So now there are five memorial Bibles placed in honor of an Elvis impersonator. But see, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. This was done a couple years ago, and these five Bibles are out there reaching the lost. So if you can give one an honor to Elvis, you can give one an honor of almost anything you can think of. But again, like I said, we like to have fun, and, and I've, I've shared with you some wonderful success stories. There's one sitting right in front of you, and you can see him every time you come to the church that he's here, or you hear about the work that he's doing. But folks, you all know that there's a lot more people out there that are lost. We need to pray for our president, the Congress, and definitely we need to pray for our, our legal system. We need to continue to give God's word, but I want to close with this challenge that a guy by the name of uh, Gary, was in our camp, Gary Lewis. Anybody know Gary Lewis? He got the honor to go to one of these big distributions in Bangkok, Thailand years ago. And they're out there, and they have, you know, we send a huge amount of Bibles over there or Testaments to give to all the kids. Well, they're out in the sticks, and they ran out. Well, when we run out of stuff, we go to Super Walmart or Lowe's or wherever. I mean, it's what maybe five miles from here. Big deal. And if they're out, we've got to go to Statesville or Charlotte. So we've got maybe an hour drive. Well, they ran out. And he said, we'll go back to the next town and get some more. And they said, Gary, you don't understand. We're out. We'll go back to Bangkok and get some more. Gary, we're out. There are no more. And it broke his heart to see these little kids, fifth graders, wanting a copy of God's Word, and he couldn't give it to them. So he challenged us, and I'm passing this challenge on to you. And this is from 1 John, not John. 1 John three sixteen and 17. Hereby, perceive we the love of God because He had laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. But whosoever has this world's good and sees his brother in need and shut up his bowels, how does the love of God apply in his life? So I want to challenge you. If you can, I know you can all pray for this ministry. We can all do that. But if you can give, give. Or give to the folks that need the money in, in South America that were in Mexico that were, were injured. Because the love of God will come through, and you will be rewarded. So thank you, and God bless you for your support.
1: Now just remember, when when we finish today, uh, he's going to be at the back with an open Bible back there, and you can give an offering to the Gideons at that time. Okay? Because um, that's a good thing to do. How's everybody doing this morning? It's good to be uh, here. It's good to be home. I had not been home a lot lately. Jackie keeps me on the road. Uh, but um, for those of you who don't know me or what's been going on, uh, I spent a couple of weeks in China with a group, um, uh, leaving behind a missionary over there. And got home, and just about the time I got over jet lag, I took off again uh, on a quick trip down to Argentina. And I just got back from Argentina. When, when did I get back? Yesterday or day before yesterday? Friday. Friday I got back. Uh, I'm still a little confused what day it is and what time zone I'm in and which continent I'm on and all that kind of stuff. So uh, be patient with an old, confused gentleman. Um, but I want to share with you some stuff this morning, uh, that, that comes from, from those trips. But I want you to realize that I'm just not talking about what I've been doing. I'm, I'm, I've got some real clear objectives in my mind and in my heart of what I want to happen in your heart with what I'm going to share with you this morning. I'm going to let you know up front what that is. You know, so that as you're listening to the story that I'm going to tell this morning, you can realize that this is, is for you to grab hold of and to apply in your own life. This is just not a story about China and Argentina and some weird hillbilly born in Tuxedo, North Carolina. But this is, this is really something I believe the Lord wants to say to each one of us here this morning. Um, and so to just keep that in mind. And, and, and the point is, 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 I want you to have eyes to see the purposes of God in difficult circumstances. You know, most of us spend our lives praying for God to change our circumstances when God sent our circumstances to change us. You know, and, and, it, and it's, it's, it's almost like here in the United States especially... The things I like are God, and the things I don't like come from the devil. You know, I think a lot of times we're trying to cast the devil out, and the reason we're not very effective in that process is those things come from God anyway, and the devil didn't have a thing to do with them. So we waste our breath a lot of times. But but anything that even seems remotely unpleasant to us or goes against our plans, we, we qualify as something bad. And uh, I have come to understand through the process of many hard knocks, that school of hard knocks, which is a very effective training program, actually, that uh, that most of the really wonderful lessons I've ever learned from God have come through something that at the time seemed rather unpleasant. And so I want you to keep that in mind. And that really is what I'm talking about. Because I'm going to talk about some really big and evil-looking stuff that I believe has been used by God for His own purposes. Okay? And those of you who know me think, oh no, he's going to preach from Psalm 33 again, but that's where I'm going to start Psalm 33. This is like, you know, like one of the key chapters in the whole Bible for me. It's kind of in the middle, and it's kind of like what God said to me, so that's kind of what I got to go on. Uh, You get your own key chapter, but this is mine. This thing is, I I could probably preach for a year, twice a day, out of Psalm 33 and never get around everything the Lord's told me out of this psalm. I mean, it is rich. Um, Psalm 33, beginning in verse 6. We're going to read 6 through 9. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap, He lays up the deeps and storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. One more verse. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. One more, come on. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Okay, what happens without God? Nothing. I mean, without God, you ain't going to suck your next breath. There is nothing that was made that was not made by His hand. All things are from Him and to Him. He is all that there is. Everything that we know is contained in Him, for there is but one God. Everything else is just a pretender. There is none other but Him. He is so fabulous and so wonderful that men have been trying to to tell about Him since the dawn of time, and we've not come up with good enough words yet. There is no one ever been articulate enough to describe him. But boy, when you get to experience him, it's a mind blower. Let's turn over for just a second to Romans 13. Romans 13. No Romans is in here, got a new Bible pages are sticking together. Romans thirteen, beginning verse one, says every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority is opposed to the ordinance of God. Oh, man, that one's a tough one, isn't it? There is no authority except from God. And those, some translations use the word government there, and those governments which exist are established by God. We recently were in China. Godless communist government, right? Was that established by God? Ooh. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Think about it. You know, in China, Christian missionaries were active, first through through the Chinese Evangelization Association and later with Hudson Taylor and the China Inland Mission for almost a hundred years. And they had made a very, very small dent in the idol worship associated with Buddhism and Confucianism and Taoism. They were making very small progress. They had worked and labored, and many had sacrificed their lives and the lives of their families. Hudson Taylor buried children and his wife in China. They had sacrificed much, and such a tiny portion of people had actually been converted and come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. It was as if the Christian prophets were declaring a message, but the people's hearts were so entwined with their idols that they they couldn't be released from it. They couldn't be freed from it because their heart was given over to idol worship. Ezekiel chapter 14 puts forth an interesting idea. You remember the story of the children of Israel, right? God delivered them out of bondage in Egypt. He eventually, after they balked, at two years and going into the promised land, he brought them up to the. He spent two years training them in the desert, and he brought them up to the border of the promised land at the end of two years and said, All right, it's time for you to take possession of your inheritance. What I promised to Abraham, it's yours. Go get it. And they said, Uh uh-uh, those giants are too big for us. And so they spent 38 more years wandering around in the desert till all the old guys died off except two. Now, I'm wanting you to know that what God's promised us for the future. I hope at least this one old guy gets to go in with a young crowd. You know, so don't balk, don't be little of faith. There is room for a few oldies in there. Praise God, Donna, Right, me and you, Don. But anyway, after they took possession of the land, after a few hundred years, they had gotten all messed up and mingled up, and they had, they had. Uh, begun to worship idols. They had accepted things and influences into their midst that caused them to worship idols in their heart. And so God had sent prophets. He had sent messengers to them. And He pleaded with them over and over again, anointed messengers of God. And they wound up killing those messengers. The prophets of old, they sent prophets to them and said, repent, and they killed the prophet instead of repenting. And so God said, well, you won't listen to me, so I'm going to have to smack you down. You know, you know, the Lord is a good communicator. Actually, you can measure your ability to hear the voice of God by the size of the two before He has to use to get your attention. He would prefer to speak through you through His written Word. He would prefer to speak to you with a still, small voice and a gentle nudge. But most of us are so hard-headed, we need to bleed a little bit before we pay attention. True? Or am I the only one in the room he's hitting the head with the sort of circumstance? So, he says, okay, I'm going to have to carry you kids off to Babylon. I'm going to have to... Knock down your temple. I'm going to have to carry you away for 70 years into a foreign land before you will cry out to me with an honest and sincere heart. And that's where we're at right here in Ezekiel. See, we're up at that point right now. So Ezekiel 14, verse 4 says... Therefore speak to them and tell them, Thus saith the Lord, any man of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart and puts right before his eyes his face the stumbling block of his iniquity and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter in view of the multitude of his idols in order to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are estranged from me, through all their idols. You see, God so wanted to possess the hearts of the children of Israel, He was willing to carry them into a godless country and put them in captivity to get their hearts. China was so entangled in idol worship that even though God sent messengers and preachers and prophets and evangelists to the nation of China, she would not listen. She was deceived by the power of the idols that were before her face. And so in 1949, there was a communist revolution. Now, the Lord told me this while I was sitting in the midst of a pagan temple on the side of a mountain, you know, Here's little Jimmy Hill, you know, little hick from Tuxedo, North Carolina, and I'm sitting there, sitting on a Chinese zodiac stone in the middle of a Taoist temple that was built 600 years before the birth of Christ. And I'm sitting there looking at all these demon images all around me and just worshiping God and having the best time. Because, you see, the Bible says we're seated in heavenly places and that all power is underneath our feet. So, you know, a few Taoist carved images, you know, didn't upset me. I was having the best old time worshiping the creator of all the universe sitting there. You know, and it, you know I wasn't, you know, just, I was having a great time. That is actually the best tourist thing I ever did in my life, was hike up the side of that mountain and these old Taoist temples. Man, it was fun. And so I was sitting there and the Lord started speaking to me about these things. You know, and eventually he got through to me and he said, In 50 years I used the communist government to erase idol worship from China that missionaries and prophets of God could not do in a hundred years. You see, in one generation, there was such a drastic upheaval that the communist government came against all religion, and they just erased it from the educational process. They erased it from the conscience of the people, and now literally there are millions of young people who have grown up in an idol-free environment in China who are hungry for spiritual things because God raised up a new Nebuchadnezzar and a new Babylon. It was a godless nation. It was a godless government. But the Lord Himself used that to eradicate idol worship from China. You talk to a young person in the street in China today, and they have no heart connection with Buddhism or Taoism or ancestor worship. You see, they've been brought up to think that God was a myth. They look at all those old religions as something historic, something traditional, something, oh, isn't that cute, what they used to believe. And yet, down deep in their hearts, there's this God-given hunger and this God-given knowledge that something greater than themselves exists in the universe, and they are anxious to find out about those spiritual things. Are you catching on to what I'm saying here? I'm not saying that the communist revolution, where millions of gallons of blood and thousands, countless thousands of lives were lost was a good thing. But I'm telling you, when they built the siege works up against the wall of Jerusalem and they were starving to death so bad that women were eating their own children for supper, that wasn't a cool thing either. Now, compared to the little inconveniences in your life that you've thought, were inspired by Satan. You know, the communist revolution is a pretty big deal, isn't it? I mean, we, very few of us have resisted sin to the point of shedding of blood. But can you grasp it? Do you see it? Can you buy into that revelation? That God could actually raise up a government and create Is he in control of everything? Did we establish that previously or not? That he could do something that drastic because in order to lay hold of their hearts, which were so entangled from me through their idols, the Lord will take drastic measures. You see, I believe He will use those same kinds of drastic measures to get a hold of us. Oh, to God that He won't leave me to my own devices. You know, the, the, the worst symptom you can ever find in somebody's life is a lack of conviction about their sin. where they honestly don't feel bad about sinning. Now, that's scary. Without the presence of the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin, we're lost. Because if there's no conviction of sin, there's no repentance. Without repentance, there is no salvation. God, help us if we're happy with our own sin. You know, God is fully capable to erase the bad things out of our lives through circumstances if we'll only have eyes to see His hand. I think sometimes we have to... Have you ever noticed, you know, it's like you keep repeating the same mistakes, the same kinds of things start coming around in your life again and again and again. Same issues come up again and again and again. You think, when am I ever going to get this? You know, the trouble with God's tests is they never look the same. And you actually never know you're taking a test till you've either passed or failed. It just seems like the normal circumstance of life. But when you, when you get that revelation, if you can buy into how drastic a measure that was that God used to prepare a harvest in China... You see, I believe that right now God has prepared a great harvest in China and that right now there is no greater opportunity for personal evangelism anywhere in the world today other than China. Don't you agree? Those, those of you who went with me to China saw it. Absolutely. Every park you go to, everybody you talk to, there's this spiritual hunger. There's this void. There's a law in physics, isn't there, Marlon, that says nature abhors a vacuum. And so God, what He did with communism, is He sucked all of the spiritual mess out of China. And now there's this vacuum that's needing to be filled. So now is the time to preach the gospel there. It's wonderful to get hold of that, but that's really not my point. Although I believe some of you need to go to China and preach the gospel we got open doors. You can go there and study Chinese, or you can go there and teach English. I told you about Pop. I asked him what his only qualification was for teaching English to 187 Chinese students. By the way, he had given a Bible to every one of them. Southern Baptist guy from 96 South Carolina, retired, airline mechanic. I said, what is your qualification for teaching English? And he says, I'm breathing, and I'm a foreigner. But see, if you can see how God used that whole situation of the communist revolution to prepare a harvest field in China, can you grab hold of it on a personal level? That when things get turned upside down in your own life, God is doing something wonderful. If you can see it in the nations, can you see it in your own life? When you feel like everything that you had your hope set on, everything that seemed normal, your little comfort zone, all of a sudden gets turned topsy-turvy upside down. Can you see God in it? Or are you still looking for the devil behind every little bush? Because my book says God's in control. That's what it says in my manual. Now comes the personal part of the message. See, about four and a half years ago, I was living in Paraguay, and I was happy as a flea on a big hound dog. I loved it down there. I didn't ever want to come back to the United States of America. And when through personal situations and Things I had to come back to the United States. It seemed like the right thing to come back to the United States. It took me a year to get over it. Because I felt like a failure at being a missionary. I felt like a failure as a husband and a father. I felt like everything that I had believed God had spoken to me was a lie. And I would sit in the mornings... And pine away reading my Spanish Bible, weeping, because God had shown me something in the eyes of a generation in South America. I had preached in many congregations down there, and I had seen the hope of one day becoming missionaries in the eyes of those Latin American kids. And many of them had come to me and said, We believe you're supposed to help us get to the nations. And God had shown me open visions that just threw me on the floor about his strategies for reaching the nation with a prophetic generation that he was raising up in South America. And it was like when I had to move back to the United States, my heart was ripped And I tried to be okay with it and go on. But the pain was like a thorn in my heart every day. And I didn't understand it. Did you ever have anything happen to you in your life you didn't understand? It seemed like a really, really big, serious blunder. In your life? Like a really serious mistake? Or like something the devil did to you? It couldn't possibly be God? Well, that's what it seemed like to me. I felt like I'd been carried away captive into Babylon. Back to the U.S. of A. A lot of people think the USA is Babylon.